welcome to Point Me to Jesus. I'm your host, Tara McCleary-Reeves, and boy, do I have a wonderful treat for you today. Jennifer Willingham is the CEO and co-founder of The Epic Agency. If you have an amazing book idea or a concept for a nonprofit or a product, perhaps, I want you to dive into God's word. I want you to make sure that that is his purpose for your life. Then you pray about it. Then you call Jennifer and her team. Jennifer is truly a brainchild of all things media and marketing. She has been behind some of the most amazing New York Times bestsellers. She has been behind some of the most amazing Christian blockbusters from Overcomer to War Room. Uh, I can only imagine, um, I believe God's Not Dead was one of your first big hits, wasn't it, Jennifer? It, it sure was, a long yeah. time ago. She represents uh, actresses and actors and authors, and, and I'm so blessed to call her my friend. We've never met in person, but this is where I'm very grateful for God's gift of technology that we can communicate via Facebook and, and on our computers. Jennifer, welcome so much to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Um, and you just do such a great job of making people feel welcome. So thank you for extending that gracious and warm welcome to me. Well, you and I have a lot in common, Jennifer, because you are mm -hmm. also a champion of our the United States Marines. Uh, your husband, yes. Andy, is uh, a Marine, and he is mm -hmm. also uh, one of our frontline heroes. Andy, if I'm not mistaken, is captain of y'all's mm -hmm. local fire department mm -hmm. there. And uh, we are just, please relay our appreciation for his heroism. Oh, I will. He, he so enjoys um, being first in, last out in any situation that he finds himself in. Yeah. And so um, I, people always ask, are you concerned that your husband's a, a fireman in the busy and growing metropolis of Nashville? And there's lots of construction and lots of, of things going on every day, lots of accidents. And I was like, you know, if he could survive the Gulf War, I believe yeah. the Lord has a purpose for his life and he's going to keep him protected on the main streets of Nashville. So I, I literally have zero concern for his safety or well-being on a daily basis, which is a, totally a gift from the Lord. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you live that you live what you preach and what you mm -hmm. teach. And that's just so evident in the, the incredible success that you're having at Epic, but also most importantly, as a wife and mom, I think those are your first two ministries. Like they are mine. You are the mom of Reagan Reese. Yes and Emerson. Both my older two are very similar. They're both quiet. They're both very um, focused. And um, my younger one, my parents say is exactly like me. She has <laughs> never met a stranger. Uh, and I apologize to them profusely because um, Emerson wakes up in the morning singing yeah. and like super early and is happy all day and will talk your ear off. And then you finally have to bribe her to go to bed late at night. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, parents of a child like that are just like wiped. And so I find myself now apologizing to mom and dad. Like if I was just like this, I am so sorry because <laughs> that is so hard to parent. But it's a joy, too, because uh, she is the light of our house. Oh, well, you, you just, I love your post and, and how you just, you know, you don't just shine the spotlight on her, but you do such a great job shining it on Reagan and Reese as well. And I think that was probably my biggest concern, having a, an 11 year gap between our twins and then our, our bonus baby. And Harrison too is very outgoing and very vivacious. We actually named her the mayor, Jennifer. So <laughs> I know I love, I love seeing you say that because I can see that in her little pictures and she is always beaming. And the little ones you've done lately from her bedroom, they are just yeah. so tender. Yeah. So 
I know we have to get our families to meet one day soon. Cause I, I know forward to that. That is one of my 2021 goals. So I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to that, but tell us why, you know, life is so precious mm-hmm. to, to you. Right. Um, well, you mentioned earlier that, you know, my, my most important jobs are wife and mom. It has not always been that way. Yeah. In fact, a little over 10 years ago, um, I had very opposite priorities and we had two little girls at the time and I was working as an associate publisher and vice president of a division of Simon and Schuster, which was the largest publisher, one of the largest three publishers in the world at that time. And I was totally out of whack. I was winning at work, but I was failing at home. And, um, even though I had felt the stirrings of there's something else, there's something else, there's something else from the Lord, I was like, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Cause there was always another book, another goal, another thing um, that I had to do. And so finally it took um, a severe accident, car accident to get my attention. And that for me set off a chain of obedience mm-hmm. that has delivered me to this point sitting here with you today. So had I not been obedient to leave that post after that tragic car accident, in which um, two teenagers were killed. By the way, just some clarification, um, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, they were, <clears throat> they had lost control of their car. They hit me head on in my lane. Mm-hmm. So it was a miracle that I survived and then was released same day from the hospital when there was so much carnage. Um, and the Lord really used that in a positive way in my life and in our family's lives. And I don't think that I, tarried very long after I sort of processed for a few weeks what had happened. Um, And there were so many miraculous things around that accident uh, of deliverance and protection um, and preservation that I then immediately resigned. My boss was like, what are you doing? Like, this is the pinnacle of your career. Like, what are you thinking? I was like, I don't know, but I've got to be obedient. And so that single act of obedience led to what I believe was the founding of Epic, even though I had a few twists and turns along the yeah. way to get here. Yeah. And so it's it's really a responsibility and a deep privilege and an honor to serve every day the amazing clients the Lord has brought my way. Because I know that I know yeah. that that accident did not catch God by surprise. Right. And I know that I know that the skills and gifts that he put in me, even before the foundations of the world were laid, yeah. um, there, there's nothing coincidental about any of that for any of us, including, you know, your viewers out there today. Absolutely. And I want them to know a little bit about your adoption story. Yeah, Um, of course. I do do think the value of Mm -hmm. life and and the way you choose many of your clients is based Mm -hmm. on your incredible love for life and of life. Mm -hmm. So I was born to a 16-year-old unwed mother in Nashville, Tennessee in 1973. And as many of you guys will know, that was the same year Roe v. Wade was enacted into law. And um, it was a Christian adoption agency. My adoptive parents are the most amazing parents in the world. And I was raised in a Christian home, went to a Christian private school. I really had every advantage, which I would not have had, perhaps, um, had I been with my family of origin. And so it's such a gift that my biological mother put me up for adoption when there were so many reasons she could have um, made another choice. She could have chosen to keep me and maybe what it would have been an unstable home or for sure if the timing had been just a little different, she could have chosen to abort me. So I am super grateful 
for the gift of life and for that selfless act that she made of giving me up, which I know had to be hard no matter the circumstances. Cause with having kids of my own, I just can't imagine having to make that choice. And I'm so grateful then that later in my career, I had a chance to work with Norma McCorvey, who was the row in Roe v. Wade. And I worked with her on her book called One by Love. And I believe it was um, probably like 1995, 1996. And in that book, she recanted her role in the pro-choice movement. And so I got to be a part of sort of resetting um, some of the pro-life movement in America and using Norma as a face of that. Um, And it was just a, a great honor of mine. And so I'm, I have, that's a, a, that is definitely a movement that is close to my heart. And I try to be involved in that any way that I can. Yeah. And you know, Jennifer, you do, I mean, your reputation precedes you as, as a woman of Christian ethic and the people that you hire. Um, I know I've personally benefited from your um, hire <laughs> with Katie Powell Bell. I just absolutely yes. love She's her. She's amazing. Yeah, she is. She is, but you do learn a lot about a person by their associations and, um, and choosing like-minded women, especially in your case, and and men as well, that you have the same goal in mind. And that is to glorify Christ in in all things through whichever project he brings to you that particular week or that particular month. Tell our our audience, because it is impressive during a worldwide pandemic, you have launched this, uh, this new agency and you have been um, on some amazing uh, campaigns already. I think Jeremy Camp's mm-hmm. movie, uh, right. May, or yeah. was it March? It was um, March, right before yeah. everything shut down. <laughs> yeah, and you did such, and it showed me just incredible, your incredible prowess in corporate America, in, in that space. Not only are you ex- a fantastic wife and mom, but the way you communicate um, across all channels, especially of business, you are one that many go to in terms of publicity and getting words out about whatever their particular campaign is. How challenging has that been, Jennifer? Have you just seen God's hand part the Red Sea continuously? It's been pretty miraculous. Um, And just to put this first, I do not believe that we are special. I believe we are favored. Um, And I think that that act of obedience has led to some of the favor. We work really hard, but there's nothing special about me or any of our team, right? That it just, the Lord has picked us for certain things and we are just recipients of his goodwill. And so I always, when people come to me and they say, Hey, we've got a movie and we want the God's not dead or the, I can only imagine, um, campaign. And it it doesn't really work that way. So there's a lot of things that have to line up, um, for something to be a New York Times bestseller our number one box office hit like war room, the Kendrick brothers movie. And I I really wish I had, you know, a storeroom of bottles with lightning in them that I could just unleash for everyone that had a book or a movie or a concept or a nonprofit. It just doesn't work that way. So what we do, what we are able to do though, is like in the case of the pandemic is to sort of bring to um, whatever the world is, whatever was going on in the moment, bring to it, sort of our foundational strategies, I call it blocking and tackling. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, those strategies can help communicate the message of any of those types of projects um, to a hurting world in need of the good news. And so everything we take on here is um, faith-based or Christian worldview. 
And we don't work on anything that isn't just because life is too short and that's our mission. So during a pandemic, you know, we started with five people. Now we have 15, actually a little more than 15. And so where most agencies were contracting, we were actually expanding. And so it wasn't like there was no work involved, but I don't want to take any credit for any of that because I don't think it was us. Um, I do think we were faithful and we kept our nose to the grindstone. Um, but we, we sort of have looked in hindsight and boiled down the key components to how we were able to sort of navigate this unprecedented pandemic and all of the changes in society that have been happening. And so it comes down to what we call our three P's. Yeah. So of course it starts with our purpose. So we had to double down and refocus on what is our purpose? You know, why are we doing what we're doing? You know, why do we make these choices every day and sort of fight every single day? And then it comes to our people which I think people are the biggest component of your success. And so hiring people who are smarter than you is always what I try to do. There's never any insecurity uh, of mine about hiring someone smarter, better than me. That makes my job, frankly, easier if I hire smarter and better than me. Um, so we focus on our people and we reinvest in them. And we also focus a great deal on our processes. So the pandemic was a little slow for us at the beginning of it. And we were able to sort of refine even further some of our key processes that are the engine behind all of the different things we offer, whether it's social media or PR or advertising. Um, we were able to refine the processes, find some inefficiencies and get them out of the way and sort of perfect the foundational systems that make everything work for all the clients. And so as a result of focusing on those three things, um, we've been able to bring a little bit more order to what some agencies have found to be chaos. Yeah. And um, I, I literally every day have so much new business on my plate that I have to put proposals out for and sort through and think through that it's now becoming a challenge. How much can we fit? Because our goal is not to be big, yeah. Our goal is just to serve the Lord and our clients with excellence. Yeah. So, you know, that is probably the biggest problem that I face looking at 2021, which I know sounds like, well, of course you're going to say that's a problem. You're a publicist. Well, it's just the truth. Yeah. I don't know how to handle this influx of work and I don't really want to expand any further. So I'm really wrestling with that in my quiet time over these next few weeks leading into the new year. Yeah. What, what do you use? Um, is there a particular Bible study that you spend um, minutes in in the morning or mm -hmm. what, what is your yeah. routine? Yes. So I'm not super great at routines. Um, and, and I'm, I, I am, I am working on habits, successful habits yeah. um, because I put myself last every single day, you know, family comes first, clients come first. And so I'm really, dedicating myself to better practices in general. Yeah. And so for me, every day starts with first five, the first five devotional study. And then I have a stack of 10 studies, including the new one by Angie Smith, that I'm trying to figure out how to get to. So every day I start with a devotional. And if I miss it for some reason, if the day starts earlier than expected or something sort of um, is unexpected in our day, yeah. then I do that at night before bed. Yeah. And then every night before bed, I absolutely sort of reflect on did I accomplish the things on my action plan today? And I make just a mental checklist. And so that's also a spiritual inventory time for me. Yeah. It's not just sort of a list of to do's yeah. it's, you know, was I empathetic today? Was I thoughtful? 
Um, how much time did I spend in the word? Yeah. Um, how, how much did I turn to the Lord? And so I try to improve every day, but I have to admit it is not easy. It is a struggle yeah. for me to be yeah. disciplined in those ways. Yeah. And the very first thing to go that the enemy tries to get oh, is my time with the Lord. Yeah. That is where he gets every time. Because he so knows where the, that's where the power is. That's where yeah, for <laughs> that's, sure, the, right. that's the plug and the, and the outlets for our, our success. Our, how do yeah. you define, how do you define success? I don't be, actually, I don't really believe in success. Um, I believe that that is a word that we use to mean so many different things that if I say I'm successful, um, you might think, oh, well, she's defining that based on a bank account number okay. or you or someone else might think, oh, well, she owns a bunch of property. Yeah. So I don't necessarily believe that success is a great word. Um, I believe that it's purpose. Yeah. So purpose is how I measure, um, you know, if I'm if I'm accomplish anything. So have I lived in my purpose? Have I expanded my purpose? Am I living up to my purpose? And yeah. so purpose is really the word for me rather than success. Yeah, that's great. I think, and you probably are privy to this more than I am because you have so many clients that are coming in with the Christian moniker. And then once mm -hmm. the curtains pulled back, you often see hmm, <laughs> the, 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 the title and the, the actions behind that are not quite matching up. How, how disappointing is that? I know I was talking to a friend recently who's also in the publishing industry and just the, the product that is trying to be pushed and promoted right now. Um, so often is, is there's a misalignment between mm -hmm. truth and, and what that product mm -hmm. is because wow. there are so many that are living a facade. You know, we live in an age of movable masks. <laughs> now I can say that literally because we all have right. masks that we're wearing daily. Right. But you know, even before the pandemic, we were wearing masks, you know, they weren't visible. They were kind of invisible right. shields. Yeah. What, what do you, I mean, how, how do you discern number one? Mm -hmm. um, and then how do you and Andy um, protect yourselves? You know, what hedges mm -hmm. do you put into place so that you're not falling prey to that pitfall? Yeah, that is such a loaded question because I think the last few months, um, I believe we have all, if you look closely enough, if you want to open your eyes to it, we have all seen, I believe, the Lord shaking the very foundations of so many of our institutions. Absolutely. And I believe the Lord is turning over the tables in the marketplace. And so that's not a super popular opinion. Yeah. Um, but I believe those people who are masquerading as things they are not are going to find themselves um, revealed before too long if they've not been already. Yeah. And so, you know, it is a, is a great question. And so we always have to be discerning. And there've been a, there've been a few instances where there has been sort of a, a mismatch. And so in those cases, I remember the words of, of a mentor that I had years ago who said, even the Lord uses broken vessels. Yeah. And so, yeah. You know, when, when we find ourselves in that situation with someone, and maybe it's too late, maybe we haven't re re realized the situation until we're too far in, and then we're sort of stuck. And so um, there's always sort of a three-part process that I go through. And so there's, um, there's a prayer component to praying for the person. There's never a judgment component because um, yeah. somebody might encounter me on my very worst day, yeah. Yeah. and I would sure hate to be a bad witness, right? But I know that there are times that I am. Yeah. And so I just also, there's a, there's a component of grace that goes into that. And there's a, a component of 
of helping. So um, what we don't do is usually keep super quiet about it. So if there is, if there was a person we were working with that I thought there was something out of line, you know, I think it's, it's my job to bring it to their attention. Yeah. You know, because if they picked us to serve them in some way, I have to assume that they want truth. Yeah. And even if it's hard to hear, but I have been given early on the gift of saying hard things That's great. To, yeah. to people in places of power. And I, not to say that they always um, respond favorably, but I am, I am not real worried about losing things or projects or people anymore. Yeah. I would much rather be able to lay my head on the pillow at night. And yeah. so I think there are people who have come into our lives <clears throat> as clients at Epic for lots of reasons. Sometimes they're to minister to us. Sometimes we're to minister to them. Yeah. And that is actually a big privilege. And so at first, you know, in the natural, you're like, oh man, what a letdown. I can't believe he's like that or she's like that. Yeah. But then I realized what an opportunity. Thanks, yeah. Lord. Let me yeah. see. Let me see what's going to come of this. Yeah. So I often find that those situations I grow to and um, luckily it doesn't happen too often, but that is, that is really something I think we're seeing in mass right now is um, people are having to choose and declare Where who they they're stand. serving. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I think we're going to see more of that in the new year. Yeah. I, I'm so glad to hear your heart on that, Jennifer. I really, I really am to see you understand God's sovereignty over every divine appointment and uh, even those disappointments. Yes, <laughs> that that's right. He, he is going to sharpen us and, and the refining fire that this, uh, this pandemic is. And I do love the way Dr. Tony Evans defines it as a, as a divine disruption, a divine disruption that um, mm -hmm. really checking where our gaze is and is it on ourselves. And I think there are so many that, that are trying to make or have been trying to make a name for themselves. And right. that this is, is rattling that foundation, testing that foundation that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess his name, not our names. And uh, that's right. And I know, and, and that's why it's encouraging to me that the Lord has placed you in this strategic position that he has, because you are a missionary. I mean, you are. And I think often when, and I believe it was Patrick Morley that said this one time that, you know, when you are on the mission field, you are not just a target for the enemy, but you are the bullseye of the enemy. And so I'm, um, so pleased to hear that you get into God's word daily because that's that's mm -hmm. really that connection cannot be compromised in any way. And just to reiterate with your marriage, what are some hedges? And, and Jerry Jenkins wrote a book that's about this thin and it was years ago. It's called Hedges. And mm -hmm. one of the questions or one of the statements in there was big doors swing on small hinges. Mm. So what do you do? with Andy, how do you protect your marriage? You are in the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. And so you're easily distracted um, because you mm -hmm. have a lot. He's a firefighter, but you are too. You are constantly right. putting fires out. Um, what are mm -hmm. some hedges in your marriage that y'all implement? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, one of the, one of the prayers that I pray most often are hedge, for hedges of protection um, for everybody that we work with yeah. in our firm and our family. And so I worked for, and when I left Simon and Schuster, a friend in Atlanta offered me a job in his agency, which is where I learned a lot about the agency business. His name was Mark DeMoss. So, um, Mark asked me to come develop more of their publishing divisions so of serving publishing related clients. And so I learned so much from Mark. And even though I had been in the industry serving faith-based Christian clients for a long time, 
you know, I'd have, I would have certain pastors that I would travel with, um, like Dr. Stanley or, um, amazing pastors like that. And there would always be sort of an entourage. So I was never alone with any male clients, which I think is really important, but Mark really sort of drummed into me, the Billy Graham role and the importance of the Billy Graham role. And so I I sort of have a, a, I sort of have an interesting take on that. So as a female, um, I believe that that kind of rule in Christian organizations can hinder the development of female executives because so often it's so easy for the boys to say, Oh man, this retreat's going to just be us guys. We don't, you know, you girls can't come. And yeah. so I sort of cringe when I think about that. Cause I know how difficult it was for me to always be the youngest female vice president at Thomas Nelson coming up through the ranks yeah. um, or the only girl in the room in so many important meetings. And so I sort of, I wrestle, but then I also understand the wisdom of insulating and putting hedges around relationships, yeah. especially when we know the enemy does target, um, like you said a, a moment ago, um, people, pastors, I mean, no one is immune from temptation. And so for us, um, it's Andy works with a bunch of guys. Um, he fights temptation in lots of ways, porn, et cetera is a big temptation for men these days. And so um, we, we pray about that together. But then for me, um, I'm always super careful when I travel. And even if I'm traveling, you know, with a male colleague, um, we try to be smart about it. And we don't stay on in rooms on the same ho- in the same floor in the hotel. Like we don't go up and down in the elevator together because I don't want it to ever look like we're cohabitating when we're traveling. Yeah. So um, I try to remove as much possibility for temptation or even for the appearance of impropriety, right? right? Um, And so working with clients like the Kendrick brothers um, really helps insulate us. They're my, one of some of my very favorite clients because I have clients who are cognizant of working with females. And so together we sort of acknowledge that white elephant in the room and just, it, it has really, it has never been an issue. I have never, you know, praise the Lord. I have never been put in a compromising situation. Um, and I, I think because I radiate happily married, this is not appropriate for you. This is not going to be, um, this is not gonna be fertile ground for anything that is a poor choice of words, but I think also, um, you know, I, I have never once had to have a conversation with Andy about anything like that. He, he completely trusts and has never felt strange about, um, I do a lot of film work and so I go to film sets a lot and he has never felt weird about any of that. So, um, we've been married 25 years and the trust there is really, really, really important. Yeah. Well, I think it's so great for our viewers and our listeners to hear because you are intentional to predetermine those hedges. And I think that's mm-hmm. very important. Uh, and so that's why I love to hear your heart of surrender before the Lord Jesus Christ, testing everything beforehand, you know, really praying before we plan to make sure that this is being directed by his spirit and not ourselves, because we are so frail in our, in our, mm-hmm. in our humanness and, and in that flesh. Who would you say from God's word, Jennifer, is, is your hero of the faith? I would say it have to be Moses, because when I look at Moses and his string of excuses, Lord, I'm not worthy enough. Who yeah. am I to talk to a Pharaoh? Um, I'm not skilled enough. Yeah. Um, all the things he kept saying that he, why he could not accomplish the Lord's purpose. Um, the Lord kept asking him, 
and maybe not even asking, maybe sort of forcing the issue. And so I, I feel that I can absolutely relate to that because for me to put my feet, um, which I know is dry ground when the Lord parted the Red Sea. I mean, I have to be sure that ground has been dry for like a week. So I cannot imagine, right? <laughs> so that, you have a little Gideon in you too? Uh, totally. So I cannot <laughs> imagine um, the courage that it took, despite you know all the, the, the frailties he saw in himself, um, mm-hmm. to still go through and walking across that dry ground when the waters were parted, because yeah. they could have come back at any moment. And so for me, um, it's a great reminder that the Lord is going to find a way to use me really whether I want to or not. And so maybe going willingly, despite my list of what I'm not great at. um, But I do, I do think that's a great balance to be super mindful that this is not anything that any of us do under our own strength. It is only by the power of the hand of the Lord um, that any of us accomplish anything only through him can we accomplish even one thing. So that is sort of an ever present thing for me. I've always wondered too, though, if, if Moses had just taken God at his word from, from the beginning, when God said, it's going to be you and me, and you don't have to worry about it. You know, that insecurity that he had to have Aaron, you know, just what, and God's plan is perfect, of course, in every way. But I've often wondered if God had just, I mean, if Moses had just said, yes, Lord, (laughs) you know, not, not, but can you give me, can you give me my brother over here? Uh I think that probably would have made him an ideal client for you though, because I've heard in some of your previous interviews in the industry where you've talked Mm -hmm. about the client understanding that when they go on a talk show or if they, they appear at some junket that they're really the prop on the scene. You know, it's really not about them. And I think Moses would have been a very pliable client for you to understand that because of that humility that you love so much. Mm -hmm. But you do Mm -hmm. wonder if if he had just been that open and willing vessel without the balking and the stalking. And I think it would have also made probably representation fun for you because he was 80 when really he began his public ministry, I guess. No, I love, I love the underdog. I love the unlikeliest. So oftentimes things will limp in here on fumes and say, Hey, um, do you want to help us? And I'm like, well, yes, I would much rather help you than the thing that comes in here with tons of capital and lots of promise, because if the Lord's going to touch this, I mean, what a testimony to everything else. So yeah, I think that Moses is something I, and someone I think about a lot and I pray about a lot um, because I think all of us have to be uh, willing, as you said earlier, to surrender. And I think we would not have had the examples um, of the Lord being so persuasive. And I think we all see that in our own lives. I think that that was probably the reason why Moses was resistant. So we would get the example of the Lord still um, persuading and telling him, uh, sorry, buddy, I'm in control. So yeah. No, that's so true. I mean, he, he, God never wastes our history. And also, okay. I think this brings our conversation full circle as we close. The Holy Spirit allowed Moses to pen uh, Psalm 90, verse 12, which says, teach mm-hmm. us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And your experience in, I guess it was 2010 with, with mm-hmm. the, the accident, and now 10 years, almost 11 years later, that that premise that the Lord just kind of permeated throughout your life to teach us to number our days that today is, is his gift and how you're going to glorify him through it. That's so true. Just last night, um, Emerson was asking about 
when dogs go to heaven, do they go to heaven and all those things that you just go, they're four, what can a four-year-old understand? And so we literally had a conversation about how every day when we wake up is a new gift, like under the tree and we can unwrap it, but it's our choice to use it wisely. And so, um, man, I wish I had grasped that concept so much earlier on. I think I could have been so much more purposeful and productive, Um, but I'm just glad that I finally learned that lesson and that I can pass it on. So I hope that any of your listeners or viewers in the audience today, if there's something they feel that is the Lord's purpose for their life, I hope they will not tarry one more minute. I hope that they will gain some boldness and that they will pray about it, um, seek the wise counsel of others about it, and they will go for it in the new year. Yes. And I hope they call Jennifer Willingham. <laughs> Epic. You're kind. And definitely yeah. um, seek your counsel. And I think that that's one thing our audience has seen today, Jennifer, is, is your heart that's rare in an industry that truly is centered on self so often, truly are living what you are preaching and teaching. And and making a difference in this industry for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I was reading through Exodus not too long ago, and as I was going through the arduous task of God's description of the the temple and the the first person that is actually noted in scripture that was filled with the Holy Spirit was an artist. And, you know, it just, it, it really was impactful to me to understand that we've got to take that arts and entertainment in the industry for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, for his spirit to be exalted and filled through that. And I appreciate you being a difference maker to, uh, to choose wisely to make those things happen. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Tara. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you. Look forward to our lunch in 2021. Amen. Let's do it. All right.